Welcome, friends, to my lovely, crazy life. I'm your host, Amanda Preston. I'm a mom of eight talking about adoption, foster care, and special needs. Join me each week as we dive into the messy, fill up your cup, and refresh your soul. Thanks for coming in today, guys. I am so excited for today's episode. We have the amazing Michelle Madrid Branch. She is an author, speaker, adoptee empowerment coach, international adoptee, and global advocate for women and children. She specializes in the area of adoption, foster care, abandoned recovery, and identity reconciliation. She's the host of the Greater Than podcast, which you've got to go and listen to, which shares real stories of resilience to inspire those within the adoption and foster care community. She's the author of the award-winning children's book, Coco and Olive, The Color of Love. And she's on a mission to ensure that the adoption community is heard, seen, valued, respected, and understood. And I think that that is one of the main reasons I wanted to have her here today. You know, adoptive parents go through so many courses and trainings about so many adoption related topics. But one of the things that we really need to make space for is hearing the stories of adoptees. And they are very different. They vary. Um, a word of caution I always like to give is don't don't take just one story as it is, but hear as many as you can, glean as much information as you can from all of them to help give you the information and knowledge and tools to then raise your own kids. You know, hearing from people who were adopted themselves gives us that insight into what it was really like because a child who's three years old or five years old and sometimes even 10 years old isn't able to necessarily articulate some of the things that they're finding hard or even if if they are able to articulate it, they might not feel safe or comfortable coming to us as adoptive parents because let's face it, it's it's a little bit complex, it's a little bit messy, and it often has to do with a whole other family. And talking to adoptive parents about something that can somewhat feel like um, a counteraction or a difference in in how you are their family can be really hard. So hopefully by listening to Michelle today, we can just gain some really insightful information and learn how we can best be there for our kids and just have a space to listen and hear them. She is amazing. And I really hope that you enjoy what she has to share today. Thanks everyone. Well, thank you, Michelle, for coming today. I really appreciate you taking the time to be on our show. I'm honored to be with you, Amanda. Thank you for asking me. Well, I wanted to start just by asking you to tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are. Okay. Um, well, I always start with the fact that, you know, I am a person um, whose earliest life started by, you know, being relinquished by my birth parents. Um, I was born in the United Kingdom and relinquished by my parents and placed into foster care. And from foster care, I was adopted by Americans. So I'm an international adoptee and have, you know, grown up in the skin of adoption and what that means and what that has meant for me and how that has, how that has challenged me, how it has grown me, how it has awakened me. And probably I think ultimately led me to the work that I do today. I mean, for many years I was in the television news industry I was an anchor and uh, reporter on air, 
And I did that and I, I thought that that was my calling and what I was meant to do. And ultimately there was a voice um, inside that just kept whispering to me that I needed to be a voice in the area of adoption and foster care and to speak, um, you know, to speak my story and my truth and my experiences so that I might be able to help someone else along the way. And so today I am a writer, I am a speaker, I'm an advocate for those who are, you know, living foster care and adoption. And I encourage people to live that out loud because I believe by sharing our stories, we grow and we heal individually and collectively. And most proudly, I am the mother of, um, you know, three kids. I have a 10-year-old daughter adopted from Ethiopia. I have a 15-year-old son adopted from Russia. And I have a um, a 17-year-old son who is, you know, I say biological, but he's my eldest. So I'm very blessed. That's amazing. Thank you. You've got quite the extensive history and knowledge base. Thank you. It's, you know, it's, I used to say that I I used to feel like adoption was my weakness. And I I say, I I don't believe that anymore. I believe that it is my strength. I do believe um, in life, the things that we feel um, have broken us or will break us or are breaking us can become, you know, the fuel for our greatest purpose and calling in life and can really direct us along a, a path of fulfillment. And, and I do, I see, I see my experience as an adoptee and former foster as, as a great strength now for me. And it certainly has, I think, directed the work that I do and hopefully has, you know, brought me a clarity in voice and a clarity in, in the purpose for my life. Oh, that's so great. Just being able to flip that narrative like that. Well, we wanted to start today. Um, I'm really wanting to share with our listeners about what it's like for adoptees being raised in an adoptive family. So can you share a little bit about what it was like for you growing up as an adoptee? You know, absolutely. And it's interesting that you asked me that on this day as I'm, I'm writing a new book, I'm writing a memoir of my experiences, and I've been delving a lot into my earliest life and my experiences and my perspective um, from that that time in my life. Um, so thank you for asking me that. I feel really, um, I, I feel very much blanketed by those emotions because I've been trying to live them and go back to that time and and uh, face some things. But I, I was, again, I was adopted out of the United Kingdom. I was, while I was in foster care, I was labeled as difficult to place because I was they 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 saw me. Social workers saw me more as an exotic child, an ethnic-looking child. My background is um, my my father was Spanish, my mother was English, um, and so I came into the world with my father's coloring, have you know dark eyes and olive skin and dark hair, and so social workers didn't think that I had a great chance of being. Um, placed into a permanent home also due to the fact that I was, as they put it, an illegitimate child. My parents had had an affair and their affair had produced me. But I was ultimately adopted by an American family who had been living in Taiwan and had moved to the United Kingdom. My adoptive father was in the United States Air Force and stationed in the UK. And so they reached out while in England to see if there might be chance to adopt a little girl. And I happened to be available, and this the process worked itself out, and I was um, adopted um, by my parents. We we stayed in Europe for a while. I I know that 
we would camp throughout Europe. And, you know, if we were in Italy, people thought I was, I was one of them. They would say to my parents, oh, she must be Italian or, oh, she must be this. Oh, she must be that. And I think from my earliest memory, and I share that because I think from the earliest time that I, I could look around, even with, before I could speak it, I was looking for some way of making the pieces fit of how I had come into this family. I didn't look like anyone in my adoptive family. I think I was always looking for some connection to someone out there that I looked, you know, that I might look like, or, oh, I might be a part of that, that family, or, oh, those people look like me. There was just a longing deep inside of me from my earliest beginnings of trying to feel like I fit in somewhere. And I think ultimately it's because from, from, from the perspective of how I looked, I didn't fit in with my adoptive family. And that was really hard. People ask, well, how, you know, who are you? And, oh, you don't look like anybody in your family. And then of course we'd have to talk about adoption. And then they would say, oh, isn't that nice that, that your parents did that for you? Or you're so lucky to have been adopted. And I think in my head, because my, I didn't, we really didn't talk a lot about these feelings that I had. I didn't know how to express them. And I'll get to the why behind that, I think, um, in, in a minute. I just, I think that I, I, in my head, in my young mind, I was really confused about fitting in and feeling like for some reason I stood out like a sore thumb and other people even noticed that I didn't, I wasn't quite, I, you know, I wasn't quite, couldn't quite piece me or, or fit me into that family unit. And so I learned to, in some ways, dodge questions from adults and from other children. I never really felt like I could talk to my parents openly about my feelings, about not fitting in or being sad about being adopted because everyone told me that I needed to be happy about it and just to be grateful. And I didn't want my parents to think that I was ungrateful because I truly loved them. But deep down inside, I felt sad and I didn't know why. And so I think I grew up with those kind of feelings of not quite belonging, not feeling in some way included. And there was just a longing for identity and just to feel that I knew who I was not in any way that demeaned my adoptive family or diminished them, but I, for me, I wanted so to figure out the pieces of my history because there just felt like there was so much that was missing. And so when I was a teenager, I did reunite with my birth mother in England. And that experience was hard and wonderful and everything in between. But I think it was at that moment where I felt like I started to take some power back in my life to try to identify who I was on my own. And, you know, I think when you're adopted, there's so much that's given to you in the way of your story. You're told what happened, whether that is completely accurate or not. You're given an identity. My mother always used to say, well, you're, you know, you're my girl now. And so whatever happened before really doesn't matter, does it? 
And the truth of the matter is that it does because we, you know, we don't start a book at chapter three. We usually start at chapter one. And when you're missing the earliest pieces of your life, your history, your identity, you long for that. And in fact, I, I think you mourn for it. So, you know, being adopted for me, you know, I was, I was Julia Dawn before I was adopted. After adoption, I became Michelle. And I think the most, the most clear and in a nutshell way I could put it is that I mourned Julia Dawn. I didn't know where that little girl had gone. I didn't know where to put her. I didn't know if I could speak for her, to her. I didn't know how to, um, to include her or not in my life. And it just felt like there was this piece of me, this little girl that I knew once existed because she was me and I was she, but now she was gone and silenced in a way. And so I felt as if a part of me had been silenced. And I think the journey of my life as an adoptee has been to merge those two identities and to come out feeling whole with with a voice that is strong and healthy and whole and truly representative of who I am as, as a person, as a whole human being. Oh, that's so good. These are such important messages you are sending out for people to understand and walk away with. Um, a couple you. things that I heard you mention was labels. Uh, you talked about uh, labels being illegitimate or lucky. So whether they were good or bad labels, when did you first start to become aware of those labels that were placed on you and how did they make you feel? Well, I, I will tell you that when people said that I was lucky, it made me feel really bad because I didn't feel lucky. I didn't feel lucky that my first parents went away. That didn't feel good at all. And I also felt like it must have been my fault because why do why do why would parents leave their children? That just didn't make sense to me unless there was something wrong with me. So I think there was a lot of uh, self blame and just shame that I wore on on my shoulders. I think to be tagged as you know in my foster records, dark, illegitimate, strange looking, difficult to place. That also made me feel lesser than and, and dirty in some way. And so knowing that I had been labeled with these things, I, I, I say to people, words really matter. And the the language and the words we use with kids in care matters because their circumstance, my circumstance, I, I, ha- I didn't have anything to do with that. I didn't have anything to do with the choices that the adults were making around me. But so often those choices, those words, those labels can become the identity of the young person because they don't know where to place them. They don't know how to, they don't know how to process that. And so we just say, well, it must be me. I mean, what else could it possibly be? And so we begin to wear those labels and it's, it's a heavy, heavy weight to carry around. And it just makes you feel more and more fragile and, and I think more and more unhappy and sad, at least it did with me. And I didn't know how to relieve that weight from off my shoulders. It just felt like I had to accept that for some reason, this is this is what happens to some kids, and maybe that some kids just don't deserve those the families or the parents who celebrate them when they're born and you know want to keep them and love them and raise them for whatever reason that didn't happen to me. And so even my adoptive parents, I think, you know, their ability to understand that I really needed to talk about those feelings, you know, those labels. 
it, it really hurt to feel like I didn't belong. It really hurt when people asked intrusive questions. And, and so for me, Michelle, labels were something that took me a heck of a long time to, to move through, to replace. And that came with understanding that I had the power to replace them, that I didn't have to accept what someone else had labeled me as. You know, the social worker who didn't see a lot of worth in me and wrote that down, documented it in my records. I didn't have to accept that as my truth. That was what she saw when she looked at me, but that wasn't who I was ever. But for a long time, I believed it because words are powerful and labels stay with us for a long time. In fact, I call them the logos of limitation. We wear those logos and they limit our ability to see ourselves as who we truly are and to live the potential that we all are placed here to live. I feel very strongly that we have to be very careful with the words we use with kids who, who have come from hard places. You know what? We have to be careful with the words we use to ourselves too, because they are impactful and they do, they do matter and they do stick Words can harm us or words can heal us. And so I'm a big advocate of choosing words wisely. That's such a good reminder. It's so easy to forget the words that we use have such a big impact. I appreciate that. Um, Sure, thank you. So some of the other things that you've mentioned have been, you know, challenges in your adoption journey. Are there other challenges that you really want people, particularly adoptive families, to know about uh, growing up in an adoptive family? Oh, there's so many. I think it's an interesting walk because I'm an adoptive mom too, you know, and I love my kids and they're my kids. But I have to understand that when we have delivered children into our lives via foster care, adoption from another country, international adoption or what have you, however, our amazing children come into our lives, when they come from an experience where they have a first family, it's important to remember that we are a shared family. Whether you have contact with that first family, those those birth parents, those first parents are not, you're part of a shared family now as an adoptive parent, as a foster parent. Your child has a history that includes birth family. That's a fact. And so the ability for the child to express their feelings and ask questions, even if you don't have all the answers, for them to know that they are safe to explore with you their feelings about their first families, their their you know their biology versus the their biography, you know how they feel about their earliest story is really key. Um, I give an example. My little girl, who's ten, she's from Ethiopia. But when she was a little younger, I passed by her room. I was putting some laundry away, and she was just playing. And um, I was um, putting up the, the laundry, and I heard her um, talking in this pretend language. And I went in and I said, "Hi, honey. Who who are you talking to?" And she's and she said, "My birth mom." And I said, oh, now I had a, in that moment, I had a decision to make and it comes with awareness. I could have said, I could have went, oh, you know, and just scurried away. I could have felt hurt. Like, why does she want to talk about her birth mother? And I'm her mom. You know, I could have felt possessive in that way, but instead, and maybe it's because, you know, I understand those feelings so intimately as an adoptee myself, I immediately put the laundry down 
And I said, oh, how is your birth mom doing? She said, good. And I said, "Um, well, could we all sit down and maybe have some tea together? So we had a little pretend tea party and we had a chair for her birth mom. And we talked to her and told her that we loved her. And I want my daughter to always know how much I honor her first mother because, you know, of the fact that she birthed this beautiful daughter into, into the world. And I look at my little girl and I, I see, yes, I see my daughter, but I also see our daughter, the daughter I share with a woman that we've never met. And maybe we will, I don't know, you know, how, how life moves in that way. And adoption is a lifelong journey. So I don't know what that holds for my daughter. Every adoption journey is unique and individual, and we treat it with care and respect it with dignity. But I know that those moments matter for the adoptee to feel that their earliest story, those birth parents, those family members who have come before are included as they move forward, you know, in in their life with their adoptive family. So that is really important, I think. And there are many things that I could that I could share, but I, I want to focus on that a, a little longer, perhaps, because I think it's really, really critical that adoptees know that their their families, their their first families are honored and and not judged, but just honored because they're the people who brought this amazing child, these amazing children into the world. And if I truly see my child as a miracle, and if I truly believe that what happens around them doesn't identify them. If I truly believe, as I like to say, that there is miracle in the messiness of life and each and every one of us goes through our own kind of messiness, right? But if I really believe that my child is a miracle and I want to honor, respect, and celebrate every part of my child's life, and that includes their earliest family. So that's really important to the heart, the soul, the spirit, the feelings, the emotions of every person of adoption, I believe. Oh, that's so good. And I think it's really important that kids see their parents actively showing that positive relationship with their biological or birth or first family. I'm mm-hmm. so glad that you touched on that today. Now, you. can you share what went well with your adoption? What are some things that you're really glad did happen? Um, some things that you are, uh, I don't want to say thankful for in a negative way, but just thankful that uh, those things were done. I think my mom was truly an amazing lady and I did feel very loved by her. Um, my mother, you know, would always say, you know, how, how grateful she was that I was her daughter. And, and she would, she would use the word chosen, you know, you're my chosen daughter. And, and I, I would sit with that because I, I, I still, I still wrestle with the word chosen, for chosen, yes, it means we're wanted, but it also means that someone else chose to let us go, and it's hard. You know, that's that's hard. So I think, as I look at the word chosen, I I use it tenderly and and gently and gingerly, if you will. But my mom felt she did feel very, very passionately that that she had chosen me, and that in some way I had chosen her. She did strive to make me feel wanted. She used to say to me all the time, adoption means love. That's all you need to know. Well, it wasn't all I needed to know, but I did appreciate her passion in equating adoption to love. 
And and there is a ton of love in there for sure. But it's not the only meaning of adoption. As you well know, you know, adoption is loss and it's gain. It's entries and it's exits. It's, you know, all of that for something to, you know, I, I often say something has to come apart before something else can come together. And so honoring the loss and the gain is really important. And my mother didn't know to do that. But what she did very well was celebrate the way that we had come together as a family. And for her, that's all she saw. And in a way that was really beautiful because there is a lot of beauty that comes with adoption. That's true. Along with the heartache and the sadness and the confusion and with all of it, right? It's life. There's shiny parts and there are more shadowy parts. And we need to, for the health of the adoptee, um, be able to look at both. But my mom did celebrate adoption. And I think she taught us as a family a love that knows no borders, you know, that you could come together um, and love each other, knowing that there's no, you know, bloodline or no blood connection. Um, but you can love each other as a family no matter what. And that is a choice that we that we make. She did that very well. That's beautiful. I like that. Um, wh- what have you learned as an adoptee that you have now carried forward into your own parenting as an adoptive mom? Oh, for sure. Uh, giving another human being the space to express themselves and share their truth, no matter what that looks like. And knowing that I'm a safe place for them to come and there's not going to be judgment. I'm not going to rush to some, you know, judgment or want to force my, you know, take on it on someone else. And my children can come to me truly, adopted or not. They're my kids. They can come to me and share anything with me, what they're feeling, their deepest, deepest emotions, questions, and, and know that they are absolutely safe to do that. I think that is really key in parenting that kids know they, they have, they have someone to come to that will listen to them, not only listen, but will hear them. I recently had another adoptee say something about, you know, if we could all just give each other three feet, three feet to stand and share our truth and express how we feel just, and and to be heard without being, you know, without pushback, without judgment, just let each other be heard in that way would really be a beautiful gift. And so I want to give my kids always their three feet of truth and know that they can stand in that truth and that they have a mama who loves them and will always be here to listen to them and to absolutely hear them with an open heart and an open mind. I think that's really key for all parents. Oh, that's so good. You've given so many great pieces of advice today and bits of information to just pass on to adoptive families on how to move forward with their own kids. Uh, so, you know, if you've got another one, my my last question for you today is, what is one other thing that you wish they knew or impart into their child's lives? What What do you really wish adoptive parents knew about raising adoptees? Oh, that's such a good question. What I really wish that they knew Well, I think it gets back to the fact that adoption originates from a place of loss. I think a lot of times as adoptive parents, believe me, having adopted two kids internationally, you know, I worked so hard to get to that finalization day when everything would be final and that, you know, they would be mine and 
we could just go home. And I think sometimes we can be so focused on that moment that we can forget that for the adoptee, everything really starts there at that moment. Some, you know, from the parent's perspective, it may end there. We have our child and we're going home. For the adoptee, that's the starting point. And there's a lot that comes along with that from the, from the way of, um, you know, settling into a new family and um, this new life, perhaps a new identity. If your name is changed, your new, it could be a new nationality, a different state, a different home, everything is different. And so I think for, for adoptive parents, I would just ask them to please consider that for your adoptee, that adoption is a lifelong journey. And for the adoptee, it does start really in that moment when um, everything changes for them, when they become officially a part of a new family and and, and their lives are going to be so very different. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's a beautiful thing. But if we can be aware as parents that this is a lifelong journey and our children have a different set of optics than we might have. It's really important to take off our optics and and be willing to put on theirs and see things from their perspective and their viewpoint. And if you can do that, if you can allow yourself to understand this is not about ego, it's not about possessing a child, it's about truly, I mean, what a great privilege to truly know your child, for your child to truly come to you and open up to you about their deepest feelings and questions and that you can be, you know, that person to journey um, with them along their, their grand adoption life journey. Um, whether they're three or 30 or beyond that, that they, that you might be the person they come to, that you, that they turn to uh, as adoption evolves and changes for them throughout their life. And so I guess, yes, please adoptive parents be willing to wear the optics of your adopted child, be able to look at their perspective through their lens so that you can more deeply and clearly understand who they are and how they see the world and how adoption has impacted their life, not only yours. Thank you, Michelle. This has been so insightful and I think has just really given adoptive parents that opportunity to look through a new lens when raising their kids through adoption because so many of these things aren't something that just come natural, that people just know offhand and imparting your wisdom and experience is going to give them the tools to really support the kids to the best of their ability. So I really appreciate it. And I'm so excited for your memoir. Uh, I'm sure we're all going to be looking forward to when that comes out uh, and hearing about your life. It's very exciting that you've got that in the works. So thank, thank you. you for coming today and sharing your heart and your, your personal journey and just some of the things that you've learned along the way. We really value it. Thank you so much. And I should add, and, and, and I do want to add because I'm um, very passionate about this little children's book that my daughter and I wrote, Coco and Olive, The Color of Love. It's on Amazon and it really is uh, a children's book that I believe depicts how families of every kind and every color are beautiful and how we should celebrate the way families come together in unique, impactful ways. And I believe in, you know, the beauty of diversity and every, every family is a unique, wondrous tapestry and we should see and honor our individual 
selves within that family tapestry. And so Coco and All of the Color of Love, it's something that my daughter and I wrote together. We're, we feel very passionate about the message and we would love uh, parents to check it out because I think it's a great tool to open up conversation with your younger children of adoption about their own adoptions and what family looks like to them. Yes. Thank you. We have your book and my kids love it. It's beautiful. Uh, I highly recommend it to everyone listening. Go get it. It's great. (laughs) Oh, thank you for saying that. Thank you so much for your heart and for your willingness to hear, you know, the adoptee perspective, because it is a very critically important part of the conversation within our community of, you know, um, foster care and adoption. It's really important to hear the voices of those who have lived and are living the experience of being adopted. So thank you for that. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast this week. Be sure to tune in next week for more exciting episodes and learn more on adoption, foster care, and special needs. And be sure to check us out on social media, Instagram, My Lovely Crazy Life AP, and our website, mylovelycrazylife.com. And please share and help us spread the word of our new podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to chatting with you next week.